Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to my first episode of my brand new podcast titled Black and Bald. It's your host, Uncle D, also known as Dayba, the flyest, the freshest, the best. On your voice. <laughs> oh my god, I was trying to have like this really cool intro. I'm gonna keep this because this is just not it anyways welcome to my brand new podcast i'm really excited for you to be here because i am excited that you took our time to listen to me on this beautiful wednesday thursday or whenever you decided to listen to this podcast uh thank you for sharing thank you for liking thank you for following uh i appreciate it and trust me i will never ever forget anyways uh so let's get into it i have a couple of things i want to talk about today uh originally this podcast was meant to be just me telling my stories and uh have a couple of guests you know talk about their stories talk about some social issues going on you know music uh play games and stuff you know just to keep it entertaining for you for the next couple of minutes while i have your attention but uh at this singular moment in which i'm recording there's a lot of stuff going on in my home country that i could not just move over initially when i wanted to start a podcast i i told myself i wasn't going to talk about anything political but now i just think i cannot dodge it it's not it won't sit well with me if i just not address what's going on with my little voice yeah just me about i don't know how many people are going to listen to this uh, i hope it goes far and wide but even if it's just one person even if nobody listens to this i just want to know that i was able to use my voice to amplify what's going on back home in my country that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about the whole nsas protest and the whole situation with the lekki massacre and just the whole country of nigeria in the whole so before we get right down into it i want to play a recording for you and this recording was first of all wasn't recorded by me uh it's a recording that surfaced the internet a couple of weeks ago uh during a candlelight service i believe that happened in abuja whereby a lady told a story about uh an incident that happened between a young man called chijuke uh and a sars police officer called james Uafo in a number state which is in the eastern part of nigeria for those of you who don't know uh so i want you to just take a listen and uh after that we're going to talk really talk about this stuff for those of you who don't know the story of Chijoke, I'm just going to tell you what happened quickly. So Chijoke was 20 years old in 2012 and he went for a child dedication. He was picked up there and he was taken, he was allegedly taken to SAR's office. When his family went to look for him, they were told that he had been taken to the headquarters. They went there to find him. His mother spotted him being brought into the station and she said, that's my child. And the officer in charge of that station, the notorious Nwanfo, asked them to boot her and the family out of the premises and then they were pushed out. Since then, they haven't seen Shidoke again. The next time they went, the officer Nwanfo boasted that he killed, he shot Chidoke, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. They searched for him, and then some other officers told the parents that it's possible he hasn't died, that the man could just be bluffing. They should bring some money to bribe him. The father brought some money. The officer said the money was too small. The father went, sold his land, sold some properties, raised three million, gave it to the man. The man said three million was chicken change. And the most horrifying part of this story, if you are a parent, that man, CSP Wafo, made Chijoke's dad to, to look for Chijoke's body in a river of dead bodies. He made him turn every single corpse upside down 
his son. I can't imagine what that man was going through. One part of him would think, let me find this body so that we can have closure. Another part of him would think, let me not find this body so that we can have hope. This is the impunity with which officers have treated us. They came to Abuja to seek justice. The state CID told them they have to pay money to transport others down to the state where it happened to investigate. We have no system. We cannot get tired. Are you tired? So, yeah, if you listen to that recording, it's uh, it's it's very painful and very emotional. Uh, I don't have kids, but I have parents and I have nephews and I have nieces and I have people that I love that I know if they went missing and if I had to go through things like that for them, how much it will hurt. So I will be... I I would be stupid to think and not feel emotions through that story. So first things I'm just gonna ask you guys that if I begin to, because I might get angry in this in this recording, and I might get I might get a little bit passionate, but just forgive me because this this is something very personal to my heart. So let's do some backstory here. So what is SARS? Like many of you know, and I've heard it countless amount of times. They're they're a division of the police, uh, special anti-robbery squad, I think, or state anti-robbery squad. Uh, they operate without uniforms. They are located in pretty much every state of the Federation and they just do whatever they want to do. I mean, just like every other department of Nigerian armed forces or Nigerian police and not even the police. We're talking about even the road safety and uh, the civil defense and any uniform uh, establishment in Nigeria, to be honest. There's this system that's been designed for most uniform uh, organizations to just do whatever they want and get away with it. They don't care. They just, you know, so just like that, that's how SARS is, right? And that's their system. In Lagos, in particular, they have developed uh, a way in which they harass young people, most especially uh, people who drive fancy cars or dress a certain way. Uh, what I mean by that is um, maybe you have tattoos, have dreadlocks, have piercings, or you know wear ripped jeans. But you know, it doesn't fit this ideology of a young hard-working nigerian because and which in my opinion to a lot of people a young hard-working nigerian is someone that looks like they're suffering you know you must look like you are struggling you're hustling there's no food to eat on your table and all of that so if you don't fit that status quo you don't fit that ideology they kind of target you right and when they target you they do whatever they want to do with you so that's pretty much just if you can imagine that that's pretty much the background of sars now, when you hear all the stories and everything that's been on the past couple of days, you wonder, what kind of system do we run? Now, police brutality is not something that is very uh, unique to Nigeria. Just a couple of months ago, there was there were huge protests in America uh, over police brutality towards the black uh, community. And in Canada, there was also uh, protests of police brutality towards the black community and also the indigenous community. So, like, it's not a thing of police brutality is only happening in nigeria or in africa uh alone it happens all over the world but you see what's very disheartening about this scenario in nigeria is the lack of accountability that there is how does a man threaten uh, a, a person and say that i will kill your child and there is nothing you can do about it it's very sad how lives don't have value in Nigeria, people die, people threaten people to kill them, and everyone just moves on like nothing is happening. I I'm recording this on the 24th of October, 
uh, at 12 a.m. right now. And just two days ago, on the or four days ago, uh, pardon me, there was a shooting, a massive shooting at the Lekwi Koito, or at the Lekwi Toge, my bad, uh, where peaceful protesters were singing the national anthem and they had their flags raised when the Nigerian army, I repeat, the Nigerian army went and just ambushed them with bullets, live ammunition. And I had to tell you that it's ridiculous thinking about that. I want to take a moment, first of all, to acknowledge the souls of our lost that night. And I pray that your souls will rest in perfect peace. You will not be a casualty of war, but instead you'll be recognized as heroes. And this war hasn't ended. But just think about it. And this reference to the Lekki Massacre and how people were just shot for no reason. No reason at all besides the fact that they are asking for their fundamental rights. Why? Because they are maybe stopping a couple of funds coming in from a toll gate. Or because the government is feeling threatened by uh, uh, a system that is working. right? And also, I want to make reference to uh, also a group of remarkable young women that came together to form the feminist coalition who worked tirelessly throughout this process throughout this time to assist young nigerians young old nigerians who have been going through a lot of things if you, if you had issues with the police you were arrested they worked hard to get you out of prison if you were being arrested during your protests if your car was vandalized or your shops were vandalized or something happened or you were injured by thugs during this protest they assisted with with uh, health uh, care, the assistant with funds to take people to hospitals. And so I want to, you know, my hats off to those remarkable young ladies. Remarkable. I have to say that this is the level and the standard of which you want people to be like. And that's what these girls and this, uh, mind, forgive me for calling them girls because this is beyond girls. These are women. These are women who have, who have shown that they are ready to take Nigeria forward. And my hat's off to them. God bless you guys. But going back to the Lekki Massacre, you, you, you think about the fact that the, the, the army came out to shoot innocent citizens and the government is denying it. The government is denying it. The government of Lagos State says, oh, nothing happened. Oh, uh, something happened. But I don't know what happened. But there's no casualty. Nobody died. And then people have live recordings. There was a live stream from a, from a DJ that night, DJ Switch, that shows what was going on. So when you think about it, it's like, what exactly is going on in this country? What is happening? There is no accountability from our leaders, the police, the military. Everybody does what he wants and we just act like it's fine. And it's, it, it is really bad. So now I, wanna, I want us to go a little bit further back and think about this thing. Because this is not the first time things like this are happening. It might be the first time it's happening in Lagos. It might be the first time it's happening on someone's Instagram live for the world to see. But this is not the first time it's happening. Personally, I was in Nigeria uh, between the months of May and December 2019. And consistently, the Shites group from Kaduna State, uh, who their leader has been unlawfully arrested by the Nigerian government and detained for months to years now, Elza Zaki, they came to protest in the city's capital. First of all, they came peacefully, right? They came, you know, they carried their, their placards, they carried their sticks, some of them, you know, just in case something happens, and they walk on the streets of Abuja. Now, people find it, oh, these people come from Kaduna, who are these people? Why are they coming to disrupt our lives? And then the police goes and engages them, and then, you know, they start like this little bit of war, and this little bit of maybe violence starts to groom and stuff starts to happen and slowly it became violent but i can tell you for a fact 
the, the protesters didn't make it violent. The police made it violent. But we were all silent about it because why? Oh, who knows? Who knows what, what they are telling? What's going on? They might be wrong. Because it wasn't personal to us. It wasn't personal to the average uh, uh, resident of Abuja who's working for the federal government or who's working for uh, maybe a top parastatal or something. It wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't concern an average citizen of Lagos State or someone down south or someone even north central. It only concerned those people. And they told us that, oh, this guy was trying to overthrow the government. That's why they are detaining him. That's why they're attacking these people that are just asking for their leader or for their person to be released. Now, I don't understand it, but these things have been coming and they've been going time without number. We can go back to when there was the issue with the, with the, with the, with the group in the South-South uh, that, that had issues with Shell. We can go back to so many serials of when there has been brutality by the government on its citizens unlawfully, but we do not talk because we feel like, oh, it's not our problem. And that's the problem. That's the, that's the main issue. And that's the thing we need to change now because it's everyone's problem. In Nigeria, a life is nothing but a number. If you turn on your news every day, you turn on to channels or you go to NTA or uh, for those of you who don't know, for those of you in my Nigerian audience, uh, I'm talking, this is a Nigerian uh, TV stations. or you listen to your radio, 200 people killed on Monday, nothing happens. 50 people killed by Fulani headsmen on Tuesday, nothing happens. 40 people killed in Oyo State, nothing happens. 70 people killed in Portakot, nothing happens. It seems like there is no value for human life. And for me, it's, it's it's crazy because like the number one thing should be human life. Before anything, before North, South, East, where Christian, Muslim, traditional, it's human being. And we do not value human life as a country. And I think that's the place in which we need to start from. People have died fighting for the rights of every person, not to be brutalized by the police, not to be assaulted by the military. And I think now... Those people cannot die in vain because we have to realize that so many people across the country, I'm talking about from all angles of the country, are suffering from this similar problem. It is not a north-south problem. It's not a Lagos problem. It's not a southeast problem. It is a Nigerian problem. And that's why people have to wake up. We cannot take things lightly anymore. We cannot just sit back and act like, oh, uh... This thing is none of our business because it is. It is our business. It is everybody's business. Whether you are in Nigeria, whether you are in the diaspora, as long as you hold a passport to that country, you are a citizen of that nation. This is your business. The fact that human lives do not matter in Nigeria is a huge concern. And now let's even move a little bit further. Let's move forward a bit. A couple of days ago, I think just yesterday, uh, the president, uh, President Mamadou Buhari, uh, he dropped a speech, a 13-minute speech. And like, I, I find it very funny how everyone has made reference to the fact that that 13 minutes has been the worst 13 minutes of my life. I cannot believe it. Uh, he gave a speech, which in all senses, I'm going to break it down to you in my own, and I have to say this is my own analysis. What he was saying is, you go out and protest. When we've told you people are working, we shoot people. Do you understand? Let's not even act like we don't understand what's going on. Do you understand? If you if you go out, you carry placard. The military will come out. They will rain you people bullets. Forget it. No time to waste time. 
That's what the president, in my opinion, was telling us. And you know, as Nigerians, our coping mechanism is jokes. Oh my god, the tweets last night. Oh my days, the memes last night. I cried. People saying I can marry. People saying, oh, uh, I can. I'm ready to relocate. Who's ready to marry? I have education. I have this. <laughs> One of my very close friends, Aaron. Shout out Aaron. He he tweeted something. He said, all of you that have drones, if you remove camera, how many of us can lap? <laughs> and it was very funny. But like that's our coping mechanism. But and it was fun last night. But this morning I woke up and it's a different feeling. It's a different feeling of what's next. So I went and I listened to that speech again. And I realized that, you see, it seems like the government have the upper hand right now. They told us, go home. You say you want us to end SARS. We end SARS. Okay, go home. Don't, don't stop the streets again. Don't disrupt people's lives. Go home. Don't block the airports. Go home. If you don't go home, we'll shoot you. Since you said you wanted us to end SARS, we're going to end SARS. Even if we're going to start SWATs, we're going to end SARS. And all your other five demands will do it. That's fine. You see, what I got from that message actually wasn't the fact that the government are telling us that we cannot do shit. What I got from that message is the fact that the government is telling us that we have done shit. And we can continue to do shit. Ladies and gentlemen, the Nigerian youth, if you can hear this, if any of you are listening to this podcast at this point, we have made change. We have done something that not a lot of countries and not a lot of people, and most especially our parents, have not been able to achieve. Pardon my language, but we have the federal government in their ass. Because as far as I'm concerned, the government have realized the power of the people, and now they are threatened by the fact that we can demand things, and they don't want us to stay on the streets longer to make our demands more. I had a I had a lunch with a couple of friends. Shout out, I'm gonna shout out a couple of people now. Shout out to Karen, shout out to Marcus, uh, shout out to Kenechi, shout out to Nunu, and shout out to Shalva. I had uh, brunch with this five fantastic Nigerians uh, last week Sunday, and we had this discussion. And Kenechi said something which we all debated and everything. I said, I think our demands should have been more, and we all argued about how oh no the demands could have been little, it could have been less. Uh, the, the demands are okay for now, you know, like, let's, let's get this done first and then we keep going. But, you know, what she said makes sense. Because as much as our demands were less, which is not, I don't think they were less, I think they were the right demands at the time, it shows that now our demands can be more. Ladies and gentlemen, let me shock you about Nigeria. If the president were to say that you cannot protest a single thing per day, if for instance, the presidency said, okay, we're going to pass this law. This is a dictatorship. You can only protest one scenario of the government or the, or the system of Nigeria per day. There are 365 things we can protest every day of the year that is wrong with the Nigerian system. So I, I do believe that in this moment and this time, it's not a time to feel sad. It's not a time to feel weak. It's not a time to feel defeated, but it's a time to feel empowered because we have done the necessary. The government know right now that if they do anything, we have them. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time that we start to demand those heavy things. If someone dies in the north, if someone dies in the south, if someone dies in the east, if someone dies right next to your house, under any circumstance that was against their rights, this is the time to protest. 
if we are not having quality education like someone said i watched the video lady said you see a child selling oranges to you in the morning and you don't think that's wrong the amount of children that are hawking on the streets the amount of children that are in people's houses doing house girl doing houseboy doing driver it's time to protest a lack of basic education it's time to protest lack of electricity it's time to protest against the salaries of our legislators because the government have told us that we can protest whatever we want but once they tell us they are beginning to work on it we should stop now it's up to them to prove to us that they are working on it ladies and gentlemen we have the power my message to everyone today is that we have the power i'm gonna title this podcast we have the power by the way i've been thinking about what i'm gonna title the sense but i'm uh, yeah done ladies and gentlemen we have the power And this is not just for Nigerians. This is for everyone because there's situations going on around the world. In Africa alone, today I have spent most of my time reading about the Congolese situation. About how they're literally having child slaves. So Nigerian youths, Nigerian elders, Nigerians in general, this is the time. Yeah, get your PVCs ready. Yeah, get your voters ready. Yeah, we need people. In fact, we need young people. We need people with intelligent ideas. People that are not bothered about corruption and stealing and all these other petty things. We need them in the office. But we also have the power to demand what we want. This is a sign. So don't feel sad. Don't feel distraught. Don't feel, oh Jesus, I know English, man. Don't feel like it's all over because it's not. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of a war that we are on top of. The governments are scared. So my beautiful and fantastic listeners and every other person, if you have an opportunity to have this discussion with somebody, tell them we are winning and we are going to win. So I'm just going to stop this right now because I think I am over a lot of time. I was planning to have this podcast last 15 minutes, but I said at some point I might get a little bit uh, personal with this because it's a very personal topic to me. So I'm going to end it here. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to me rant about my beautiful country. I want to encourage you to keep the pressure going. Uh, on Twitter, you can go hashtag end SARS. You can do hashtag end police brutality. Educate yourself. Educate your parents. Educate your friends. Educate your neighbors. I have a couple of friends. I know like if, if you have people that have work for your parents, you know, maybe you're a parent and government or you're, you're privileged, you're rich. It's not, there's nothing wrong in it. You know, God, that's God's blessing on you. But educate the people around you. Let them know what's going on. Don't let them feel like it's not their problem because it's everyone's problem. And by doing that, we grow as a country. We grow as a people. So thank you very much for spending your time with me. I do hope you have a fantastic day. Uh, like I said, this podcast is going to be dropping every Wednesday starting from today. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but today is my birthday. So say a prayer for me and uh, just, you know, have a fantastic one. See you next week, Wednesday. Don't forget, tweet hashtag NSARS, tweet hashtag brutality. Stay safe, wear a mask, respect your neighbors, share love around the world because that's what we need right now, not division. We need love. All right, guys. Peace out. One love is your host, Uncle D. Have a great day. Bye.